0: Welcome to the New Mexico News Podcast. Headlines and stories from the land of enchantment. Brought to you by
1: KRQE. Here's Chris McKee and Gabrielle Burkhardt. Owning a home, even locking down an affordable rental, it almost seems like a luxury these days. Maybe you've tried to move into a new apartment yourself or try to buy your first home recently. There's a lot of competition, there's rising costs with inflation, it's just one piece of that, a dwindling supply of places to live. All of it is enough to make many people probably wanna stay put if they can even afford to do that.
2: And affordability is a key factor here. We know there's a lot of people struggling with that, especially when you consider the context here in New Mexico a state where we've traditionally had high poverty rates and a higher unemployment rate compared to the rest of the U.S. More context for New Mexico. According to the Greater Albuquerque Association of Realtors Market Report, the median home price increased 17.4% to $340,500 in May compared to last year. The average home price increased by 20.8% while overall inventory decreased by nearly 17%. We know that's a lot of numbers, but basically homes in Albuquerque are selling for roughly 20% more than they did a year ago. And if you don't already own a home, you may find yourself in a tough spot to try and buy Or worse, you may be facing some real financial difficulties.
1: Meanwhile, since the pandemic took off in 2020, we've also seen some unprecedented levels of both state and federal government assistance. There were added unemployment benefits, of course, for some time, not to mention several stimulus checks, both state and federal. There's also been some massive financial help extended to homeowners and renters in New Mexico. Two big assistance programs born out of the pandemic are ongoing in New Mexico, one of them for renters and the other one for homeowners. Recently, the state combined those programs into one umbrella agency, you could call it, called the New Mexico Home Fund.
2: With us on the line is Donnie Quintana. He works for New Mexico's Department of Finance and Administration, serving in part as the director of the state's Emergency Rental Assistance Program, or ERAP. That's one of two agencies now part of the state's home fund. Donnie, thanks for joining us.
1: It's a pleasure to be invited. Thank you. You're welcome. And while we know you oversee ERAP, and that's one of two programs under the home fund, I just wanted to see, though, if you could maybe give me an impression of what this new reorganization into a sort of singular home fund, what does that do for the state?
0: Just for clarification, I do wanna provide that I'm also the local government division director that oversees various programs traditionally. So the emergency rental assistance program is an additional tasking, if you will. Uh, But having said that, the home fund uh, portal is designed to provide a one entry point. For anybody that is looking for housing assistance, may it be a homeowner or a renter. They come to one centralized location, they answer a couple of quick questions from those questions, it determines whether or not they go the route of homeowner assistance, uh, which is our homeowner assistance fund, and or they go the route of the emergency rental assistance program.
2: Do you think there's a level of surprise among people that these pandemic era programs are still ongoing and will be for several more years?
0: I think there is some surprise, but I think more importantly, it reflects on the fact that folks uh, really need the assistance. They need the support. And this program is providing a very valuable assistance to individuals by providing rental assistance as well as mortgage assistance and obviously the utility assistance component as well.
1: So along those lines of just the issue that's going on, I wanted to ask maybe your broad assessment of the overall housing situation in New Mexico today and and the need for, say, rental assistance as well as a part of that.
0: I think the pandemic, what it really brought to the surface was some of the challenges that were already existing in the background. Folks have always struggled either paying their rent or the utilities. And I think this just brought it to the forefront. Uh, Coupled with the fact that uh, you know some of the data that you alluded to, opening up this presentation is uh, the the rising cost of affordable homes, uh, whether you're a homeowner or whether you're a renter, and unfortunately, wages are not increasing at the same level as the home prices and/or rent costs. So obviously, the need is still there and will be there for the future. I am extremely excited by the virtue of the fact that this program has really shed a light on the need for not only the federal government, but state government and local governments to work collectively in collaboration to ensure that we do everything we possibly can to provide a roof and maintain a roof over a family and individuals' heads.
2: What kind of assistance is available through this program and, and who qualifies for it? I'll start with
0: the Emergency Rental Assistance Program, or often referred to as ERAP. Emergency rental assistance has a, a variety of different support services that are being provided. Obviously, the most general is rental assistance, and what it was, what it does is it provides up to twelve months of assistance in arrears, or folks that may owe twelve months of back rent, as well as possibly three months into the future. So a total support, if you will, of fifteen months. Uh, in addition to that, we provide utility assistance for the same periods. Uh, in addition to that, we also provide first month, last month deposit and three months perspective for individuals that are relocating. We recognize that some folks are relocating during this period, uh, it may be a result of an eviction, maybe a result of just the fact that they recognize the cost is um, undaunting for them. So they're relocating to a new premise or new um, uh, location. So we will provide that relocation assistance in addition to that, we know some folks are out in the streets living in their cars, couch surfing, and so forth. Uh, so we provide hotel assistance. We provide uh, assistance for them to stay in a hotel for 90 days at a time. And then after the 90th day, uh, we look at and reevaluate the situation and make a determination on whether or not their stability, housing stability, has changed on the positive. And if it is not, we will allow them another three months um, who, are, who, are, who qualifies for the program is that is set by the Department of Treasury, which is the federal agency that is currently overseeing this program. And they have established that it is 80% of area median income for each respective county. So obviously, 33 counties are going to have three di- 33 different eligibility thresholds, if you will, for individuals to qualify.
1: So it depends on where you live, essentially in New Mexico. Exactly.
0: I do also want to suggest that we have data that reflects the average rental cost for each respective county. And what we have done through the program has allowed for up to 15% above that ceiling, recognizing that rents have gone up. And, you know, obviously in the Metropolitan statistical areas, Albuquerque, Las Cruces, Santa Fe have gone up probably much higher than some of our rural communities. Nonetheless, they still have gone up.
1: If someone qualifies and gets financial assistance, how can that money be used? I know you had mentioned it does pay for maybe back rent or future rent, but it can also sounds like be used for things like utility bills and maybe other costs.
0: Part of that is obviously uh, folks need utility assistance. And under the utility assistance, basically all the utilities minus telephone. So we have gas, you know, natural gas, propane, to include wood, pellets, if that's the heating source, uh, electricity, water, wastewater, trash removal, um, broadband. Again, basically all of the service utilities minus telephone, your basic telephone lines are under utility. And then back on the renter, obviously rental assistance. And as I mentioned earlier, the fact that we will pay for relocation if they find another uh, uh, location and or in the event that they need to uh, stay at a hotel. We have partnered with hotels across the state that are partnering with us that will take on an ERAP uh, clientele, if you will, and allow them to reside there based on our partnership that we've established.
2: So with all this money going out, from what I understand, the rental assistance program falls under the New Mexico Home Fund, which we mentioned, and it's supported from federal funds from the CARES Act and the American Rescue Plan. How much money from the federal government is funding this program here in New Mexico?
0: So, yeah, two different uh, funding uh, appropriations from Congress, two different statutes, two different compliance, two different regulations and so forth. But uh, under the first what we refer to as ERAP-1. And that was through the CARES Act. The state of New Mexico received $160 million, plus or minus, to provide these services to New Mexicans. I will tell you that there was also a couple of other grantees in the state of New Mexico. One of those was the city of Albuquerque, the other was Bernalillo County, and the other was Ana County. We, early on, wanted to partner and collaborate with as many of those entities as we possibly could so that we could minimize confusion and leverage organizations, and more importantly, provide somewhat of a seamless effort across the state. So having said that, the state of New Mexico has partnered with the city of Albuquerque on the administration and execution of these funds. The second award is Emergency Rental Assistance Program 2, as we refer to it as, and that is $122 million that is being provided uh, to us. And that, that was available in June of 2021 and carries on till September uh, 30th of 2025, or unless the funds have been exhausted by that time. Uh, under the emergency ERAP-1 program, the funds were available to us uh, March of 2020, and they um, terminated uh, September 30th of 2022. So, very
1: recently. Certainly, anytime there are programs that involve benefits to people who need it, there's always going to be people who take advantage of things. And so, I wanted to ask you, you know, how is this program being safeguarded from people who say want to take advantage of the system for, you know, mortgage or rental assistance here? What sort of checks and balances are there maybe in the application process and other areas?
0: You know, I I just want to start that response by saying we take our fiduciary responsibility extremely uh, conscientiously. We recognize these are taxpayer funds, and therefore we want to ensure that the folks that are actually receiving the support uh, are eligible. So having said that, it's kind of a multi-layered effort. We have things in the application process uh, that allow us to determine, one, that the individual is a legitimate individual that they reside in the state of New Mexico. Um, We have various systems within the system that allow us to check um, locations. We work with county assessors. We basically have a software program that allows us access to all the public um, provided databases that we can confirm where folks are actually residing, where they register their cars, uh, things to that nature. In addition to that, we have developed partnerships with the taxation and revenue department, which uh, maintains one of the largest state databases in state government. Every one of our applications runs through that ta- database to determine if we can determine uh, verify six data fields whether or not the individual is a legitimate individual. We verify IDs. Uh, we also have a relationship with the human services department. Anybody that is currently receiving benefits from human services department we confirm and validate that it's the same individual. Again, we work with the county assessors, We work with landlords. We work with property managers. We work with the utility companies. The federal government refers to the fact that we are partnering with these individuals as a third party proxy and fact specific third party proxy. And what that does is it allows us to get the information from the folks that are actually owed the money. So if you're a landlord, we get to be able to reach out to the landlord and say, what is actually owed to you? If you're a utility service provider, they confirm that they, yes, indeed, this individual is an app, a client or a customer of theirs and how much is owed and so forth. And we do that with property managers and that's, we call that the bulk processing and the state of New Mexico was the first to implement that type of effort strategy. And now it's deployed across all 50 states. Our preference is definitely to pay the landlords property managers and or utility providers first that is our ultimate goal and i can tell you that right now we're at about 85% of all our payments are made to those individuals versus an actual applicant we do allow an applicant to receive funding however we also notify them that the funding is intended to pay rent and or utilities or both and if they fail to do so, it makes them ineligible for the, the program into the future, and we confirm with the landlord and whether or not they receive the plan. And you're exactly right. Unfortunately, folks see such a large dollar amount of available funds, and there are always people that say, let me get some of that. You know, So uh, we try our best to ensure that the people are legitimate. And that's taking some time. It takes some time to do the due diligence. You know, So it's not a streamlined process, or it's, I should say it's not the fastest process, because we're not only concerned with speed, we're also concerned with ensuring that the people are actually eligible for the program.
2: Which is a little different than some of those initial pandemic programs where speed was sort of a, a big factor in getting that money out quickly. Do you know if the majority of people who are qualifying for assistance, are these people who are already in debt mostly, or do you have any people who are like, you know, I have a couple friends who say picked up a second job and they're living paycheck to paycheck, trying to make these payments, but maybe are not in the hole quite yet. And I think
0: it's kind of a progression, if you will, early on with the program and therefore the main emergency, you know, Congress recognized as well as, you know, our uh, state uh, leadership and so forth recognized that there was a potential tsunami, if you will, of uh, potential evictions and or increase in homelessness and an increase in housing stability as a result of the pandemic. Folks were furloughed, industries were shut down, businesses were closed. So folks weren't earning the wages to be able to cover the cost of rent. That was really the essence of the program being established early on. So I suggest that we were able to mitigate to the greatest extent possible that tsunami by with this program, we provided a lot of assistance and mitigate that. Folks that owed 12 months of rent, we were able to catch them up, And once they got back to work, they were able to stabilize their housing situation. So I think we've prevented a lot of the potential homelessness. Uh, We have been working with the administration of the courts. We have been working with the Supreme Court. We have been working, partnered with the uh, legal representation of landlords to establish a eviction mitigation program that allows for the landlord and the tenant to come together before it goes to court and apply for the program and if it's a situation where it's take care of the debt or the arrears and then we will eliminate the eviction, they've done so, that's having a high uh, success rate. In addition to that, we have contracted the Mexico Legal Aid that actually provides legal representation to those individuals that are being evicted in the courtroom. So, but to your point, uh, I I think basically it's a wide array of folks there's some folks that were definitely impacted with the pandemic and COVID and still are. And there's others that have always struggled, as I alluded to, with the rents. And then as rent costs continue to increase, they're going to continue to struggle. So some of it is getting to a point where we recognize folks may not have rent in arrears per se, but it's rent into the future, as well as I, I may be able to cover 75% of my rent. I just can't cover the remaining 25%. So taking a look at it from that perspective as well.
2: You mentioned that a lot of groups you guys are working with, and in some cases, the court system trying to identify people who are going through the eviction process. How is that working out? Is it working out efficiently? It it
0: is. You'll be amazed. I am very proud to say that, uh, you know, I often suggest that it's through discovery, uh, bringing people to the table. Uh, And I, I tell folks the table's round. And let's discover the conversation and dialogue. What are the solutions? And get everybody's perspective, right? The state of New Mexico was able to uh, delay, if you will, the eviction process. The moratorium was delayed in the state of New Mexico. Uh, And with that, that that provided us an opportunity to roll out a program working in collaboration with the administration of the courts, the judges, the Supreme Court, Justice Bacon, definitely has been a rising star for us in in regards to that, Uh, about being able to roll it out through on a quadrant basis rather than the whole state. The moratorium being lifted across the whole state, we lifted it in quarters of each one of the state, and we focused on those applications coming from that area so that we could mitigate to the greatest extent possible all of the potential evictions. I will suggest to you, you have the numbers in front of you When you think about the fact that, you know, 56,000 households that have been assisted, each one of those could have been an eviction, right? Because the reality, if they don't pay their rent that's owed, they could have been evicted. So all of these households could have been a potential eviction or a, a homeless situation or housing instability.
2: Can you give us an idea of how many New Mexicans have received rent and utility assistance so far and how much money is left to distribute?
0: Right now, I believe we were upwards of 56,000 households that have received assistance. And that can range from an individual person to a family of two, a family of four, a family of six. So a household is just basically the residence that has applied for the program, but it could be multi So. If you think of it as 56,000 households, and then in a household, there could be up to four people uh, in that household. You can multiply that times four, and that's really the benefactors, right? We've exhausted all of the Emergency Rental Assistance Program 1 funds, which was our requirement under ERA 1 by September 30th. We now are utilizing, and have been utilizing since March of 2022, the Emergency Rental Assistance 2 funds. So, uh, out of the 122 million, you know, we, uh, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I can tell you that we probably got about 80 million left, of program funds to provide into the future.
1: I know we haven't really talked much about it because the emphasis has really been a lot yeah. on rentals here, but, but the homeowner, yeah, the homeowners are also an element of that. Um, yes, certainly yes. in there from the statistics provided by the state, These grants are for mortgage payments, taxes, utility bills, homeowners insurance, up to $20,000 per household, as the program says to, quote, maintain housing and or reduce housing cost delinquency. Data on the Home Fund's website sort of indicates that it's been more than $10 million in mortgage assistance that's been doled out, also just over 1,700 households. But it does sound like as well, Well, that is certainly not a small number, there are far more renters out there than it sounds like there are homeowners who need assistance.
0: If you're a homeowner and you have a mortgage, uh, there's a variety of, of different key uh, players, if you will. There's the mortgage companies, there's the financial institutions, there's Fannie Mae, Fannie Mac, you know, federal government. Uh, so there's a, a wider array of services and uh, that a homeowner goes through versus a renter. So there's a lot more protection, if you will, and more assistance provided overall for homeowners, because the reality is homeowners have a larger stake investment in, in their home, right, versus a renter. Not to say the renters don't, has, don't have as well, but um, I say that suggesting that Congress recognized that homeowners, there were already a variety of different programs that were eligible, so this, was, this came in to provide them some additional assistance. And the state of New Mexico received $55 million for homeowner assistance fund. We were eligible to use 10% of that, which equates to $5 million, on a pilot program to be able to illustrate to the Department of Treasury that the state could administratively and execution effectively a program like the Homeowner Assistance Fund. And we did that. So they uh, approved our application and we received the additional 50 million. Out of that 50 million, 5 million is available for homeowners, for utility assistance. The remainder goes for those uh, activities and functions that you listed off. And I will say that the other partnership that has been extremely successful and is a great example of collaboration and coordination, is the partnership between the state of New Mexico and the Mortgage Finance Authority, the administration arm for the Homeowner Assistance Program minus the Homeowner Assistance Utility piece. And the only reason being is because the state had already developed the network, already had developed the system, the relationships with utility providers. So they apply for uh, utility assistance on the homeowner side. It comes to DFA versus MFA.
1: Earlier, you mentioned, I think, Seeing the sort of incoming tsunami of problems that would have happened maybe without this. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask, though, broadly, what is the impact here? What would have happened had no assistance been out there, you think?
0: I, I think we would have had a huge increase in homelessness, a huge increase in evictions. I think we would have definitely seen a huge increase in housing instability, folks that were, you know, in an unstable housing environment. And I do want to just take a moment to. Focus on the housing stability piece as well, uh, because you know early on was the prevention of potential homelessness, increase in homelessness, uh, uh, housing instability, evictions, and so forth. But in addition to that, the program does have a termination date. So our goal is to really try to improve the housing stability piece, so the both funds, both the RA one and the RA two, provide up to 10% of our allocation, state allocation, for establishment of housing stability. We currently have 28 different sub-awardees that are helping us provide services to these individuals on financial coaching, mentoring. We are partnering with Department of Workforce Solutions to provide training, resume assistance, application assistance, so that ultimately you improve folks' housing stability Situation. I think you've all have heard, you know, if you are at 30% of your available income goes to cover your mortgage or your rent, you're in a good position, 30 or percent or less. Anything above that, 30 to 50%, you know, puts a risk. And then obviously you your if you're at 50% of your available income covering your housing, whether it's mortgage or rental, you're really at risk. So what we want to do is we're going in and we're providing assistance to help folks determine that. The one challenge is that there's not enough affordable housing units out there to move folks into an affordable unit. You may be paying $1,000, but your income, based on that, you should be paying $700. Well, it's difficult to find an apartment for $700 a month. So that's a challenge. In addition to that, um, you know, being, being able to recognize that folks are going to cover their housing cost first. Right, They may forego their telephone payment, they may forego their car payment, but they're typically going to make sure that they can provide the roof over their head. And I'm also proud, just what comes to my mind, is we have partnered with the Albuquerque Public Schools and partnering with the McKinley-Vento Program that are taking kids off the street that are homeless and putting them either into a hotel with the goal of finding a more permanent, stable housing environment with them. We have partnered with UNM Pathways it does something comparable. We are focusing on addressing domestic violence. Folks that have lost their home or their rental unit as a result of domestic violence. Find working with shelters and organizations that we can cover their costs. Uh, elderly, uh, folks that are elderly, folks that are disabled, veterans. We're, we have all of these targeted populations that we are trying to maximize and optimize the existing resources and leverage them, you know, so that we have that framework and that network and that system to provide as much assistance as possible. But the reality is, uh, you know, it's a challenge when you don't have enough affordable units. That, that what I, I would say, is one of the greatest challenges across the state is uh, the availability of affordable units. You see a lot of construction of apartment complexes, and and then obviously, right, uh, we're charging fair market rent. If you're paying $2000 a month in the city of Santa Fe for a two bedroom apartment that that is that's steep for folks to pay. You know, so how do we address that?
1: There are obviously going to be people who see this type of program and maybe based on their politics say this is just another government handout. These people just need to pull themselves up by the bootstraps and get to work, you know, pay their bills like we all do. What do you say to people who maybe have that cynicism of saying, you know, that this is just another handout?
0: There's an array of different scenarios, but, uh, you know, as we've administered this program, the one thing that has really surfaced or resonated with me is the fact that a lot of folks are trying their best. They really are trying their best to uh, provide a roof over their head, Uh, but you can't afford $2,000 a month. You just can't afford it. I don't care how hard you try And the other aspect is I really am conscientious of the fact that there's kids out there and and kids need a roof over their head. They need to be safe. And um, so I would say that, yeah, obviously there, there may be that percentage of folks that are out there saying, you know, why not let the federal government or state government cover my rental costs? And that's very unfortunate. But I think the majority of folks are really trying and they're asking for a hand up, not a hand out. They're, they're facing some challenging times and they just need a little assistance. And again, therefore, the name emergency. It's an emergency. It's not a prolonged. And that's why Congress and their vision uh, and Department of Treasury establish a, a term limit so that we don't pay for two years. You know, And in the reality, I don't think anybody's life changes that drastically in 90 days. It takes a little bit of time for folks to get a secure footing underneath them. And we're much better off by... Providing that assistance and stabilizing folks so that they can put a good foot forward, then they won't come back for assistance. Rather than give them one month and and they're really not stabilized. So I mean I, I can see that perspective, but I would just challenge it with saying that I think the majority of folks that we have seen and the applications are legitimately trying their best to make a, the best situation they possibly can. pleased to say that the program has supported uh individuals in every single county across the state uh we're proud of that you know we've had a good excellent uh media advertisement campaign our goal from the get-go was to ensure that you were reaching into the smallest communities even if it was just one renter from that county we wanted to make sure that they were eligible for the program and could receive assistance to the larger obviously in the city of Albuquerque, Bernalillo County, Sandoval County, Donana County and so forth um, but we want to make sure that everybody has access because everybody needs a helping hand.
2: Thanks again to Donnie Quintana for taking the time to share all of this information. One thing he did share with us outside of the interview is that the ratio of home ownership versus renters in New Mexico. In New Mexico, we have a higher home ownership rate than actually the rest of the country at about 67%.
1: The homeownership rate across the U.S. is uh, almost 64%, so yeah, New Mexico's is just a little bit higher up there. When you look at households, right, a household could be either owned or rented. In Catron County, for example, 92.4% of households are owned versus Bernalillo County, 62.8% of households are actually owned. So you can see far more renters in a more urban county like Bernalillo. And of course, what you're seeing in the rural counties, just not as many people are renting out there, right? There's not as much density. There's probably not as many apartment buildings. And one thing that we certainly saw during the Hermit's Peak-Calf Canyon fire was a lot of the people who were affected by that fire do own their home, right? It's been passed down through generations because Mexico, right, the old homestead of the West where family properties have been owned by you know their grandfathers and so on down. So that's how things shake out here in New Mexico. We appreciate you joining us here for this episode this week. If you got an idea, feel free to email it in. I'm at Chris McKee TV on social media, and you can also reach me at Chris at KRQE.com.
2: And I'm Gabrielle at KRQE.com via email and G on social media. Thank you all for listening.